walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. Welcome to the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run the Marin County podcast, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. I am Duffy Ballard, and with me is Coach Dave Levine. Dave, are you feeling like a basketball nerdling or a basketball nerdlet today? Yeah, I was wondering which one you'd go with. I'm feeling uh, feeling all of the above, Duffy. Very, very much in pure strong basketball nerddom after this weekend of a lot of hoops a lot of hoops a lot of hoops um dave we uh this is episode number 13 baker's dozen and it's appropriate because we are closing in on the holiday season i'm sure a lot of our listeners out there are listening to a podcast while maybe making a pie or baking some cookies what type of bacon's going on in your household a lot of a lot of cookies being created and baked uh, in our oven, which is not great for my uh, goal of maintaining fitness, but um, it's that time of year, Duff. How about you? Right. It's it's comfort. It's comfort. Recently, my son Holden skipped afternoon pickup basketball with me so that he could stay home and make a Yule log and with his with his friend Zane. And I was initially disappointed, but I came home and tried that Yule log. And I'd, I've never made one, Dave, but man, it was delicious and intricate. And uh, so it was worthwhile on this one occasion. Is this a potential new segment for our podcast? Maybe the Yule log segment? I don't know what we cover in that area, but <laughs> it was a good out-of-bounds play. Let's put that in the category of ideas that we considered and then discarded. it. Okay. Beautiful. So uh, we're going to go, Duff, we have a lot to cover today and we have a really good interview uh, with two of our friends, but uh, we wanted to cover a few things up front, right? We want to talk sponsors and a few other housekeeping items. Why don't you hit on those? What time is it, Dave? Oh, it's sponsor time, Duff. There you go. We got your, you're on the ball this morning. Yes. uh, in episode 12, uh, we had the sponsors at the end, and today, episode 13, we're putting them up front. But we do, before we get to the text from our sponsors, we do want to uh, note that uh, we are considering taking on new sponsors, if there are sponsors that might be interested. And in part, we're getting great feedback, Dave, as you know, and we've uh, now hit over 5,000 total downloads of the podcast. And so we're very appreciative of the interest and the feedback and the listeners out there. And thank you uh, to my mother for being 73 of those downloads. Uh, so keep yeah. up the good work, mom. She's, she's uh, but uh, initially we had conceived of running this podcast through uh, the end of NCS or end, end of, um, of state finals, depending on how Marin County teams did. But now, Dave, we're we are considering whether we might extend this, you know, and just have it be an ongoing podcast uh, for as long as you and I, you know, get along bantering with each other. So, uh, because of that, we are looking for some additional sponsors. So, if you yeah, I don't know what there. Yes, I don't Dave. know what I would do. I don't know what I would do, Duff, 
if we stopped doing this every week. Um, I'd be very sad. So yeah, I think um, sponsors have been, we've been really uh, honored by the sponsor support we've received so far. We have five fantastic sponsors and a few more who we've been talking to. So yeah, absolutely more sponsors. We'd love it. And I think Duffy and I are going to uh, keep this going throughout the year because some of the topics we're hitting on are not just basketball season topics. So um, let's keep it going. All right. So uh, thank you to Nike San Domenico Camps and Jeff Skaggs uh, as being our initial uh, sponsor. Still the first. And now we're going to jump into the text on the rest of them, Dave. And so if you're listening, don't fast forward. The hub has completely new language. So uh, the other ones might sound familiar, but the hub's bringing something different today. All right, Dave, you're first. Let's get after it. I'll be quick. Let's go with NBBA, our friends at North Bay Basketball Academy. Uh, anecdotally, feedback on the Rick Winter episode has been great. Um, a lot of people have said that they loved Rick, and he's he's awesome. So head over to www.northbaybasketball.com for information on some upcoming clinics, um, including one that will include yours truly um, over the next couple of weeks here over the winter. So um, and NBBA has got lots of skill sessions for, for youth kids. So head over to the website to check out for more and thank you NBBA for being a sponsor. Thank you NBBA. All right. Karen Hortzmeyer, just like Karen's coached athletes to victory, she's here to coach you to a successful real estate sale or purchase ready to sell your home or know someone who is Karen brings the same expertise, strategy, and commitment to every real estate transaction as your trusted real estate advisor. She will create a winning game plan for you for purchasing and or selling your home. Please call Karen today at 415-794-4311. That is 415-794-4311. All right. Next one, jessieandlaurent.com, www.jessieandlaurent.com. Gourmet, ready-to-eat meal delivery service, family meals throughout the Bay Area, Sacramento, and North Tahoe region. Been around for 40 years. I am a huge fan, as we've talked about. They gave uh, my family and Duffy's family some uh, some food when we started off this relationship, and uh, I'm now reordering because it's really good. So uh, support Jesse and Laurent. It's a great group. Elizabeth Schering, a, a friend of the pod. Um Thank you for your support, Jesse and Laurent. Absolutely. Love them. All right. Finally, The Hub. And this is from the, the Hub's chat GPT uh, ad machine. And uh, it covers their uh, family friendliness. So here we go. Family friendly to the max. Your kids can color and do a puzzle while you enjoy a pint or a glass of wine. There's a covered patio as well as indoor dining. Kids' meals feature a grass-fed slider, organic chicken tenders, hot dog or grilled cheese with a side of veggies or fries, and a choice of apple juice or juice box. Kids love it. Parents love it. The Hub is owned and operated by a San Anselmo couple. Come support this small local business. And shout out to Rebecca Bugas for doing a really stellar job with the book for us at Archie Williams Varsity Boys. Great job, Rebecca. Awesome. Thanks again to our sponsors. You complete us sponsors. Now on to some fun news on tournaments this past week and weekend. A lot of action. 
Duffy, why don't you start talking about the boys' side? Yeah, I'll hit some of the highlights uh, uh, from the boys' side. Uh, there was the Piedmont tournament, a very competitive tournament. Uh, Archie Williams, our Archie Williams team, was in that. We went one and two um, with a very close loss in the second game to Northgate. And then the Redwood boys took home the title, uh, and they did it with uh, close wins uh, over Northgate, St. Ignatius and Piedmont and again against Piedmont they were up by 20 something points Piedmont came all the way back I believe to take the lead and then Brennan Woodley hit a game winning three uh, in that title game uh, Jake Vasquez who uh, Dave you and I just spoke with him and his dad Kevin over the weekend and that's an upcoming interview he had a couple big games including 22 points uh, in the final so congrats to the Redwood team they are uh, ranked on max preps number 23 in the state currently, although that's a big uh, caveat there, a big star, Dave, because looking through those rankings, I don't see Branson anywhere. So early season rankings, uh, not a lot of data to compile and probably uh, quite a bit of variability in terms of where teams uh, might end up uh, when this is all said and done. But congrats to Redwood, great win uh, in that tournament. Uh, so. Uh, let's move to the Novato tournament. Uh, so two local teams, San Rafael and Nevada, both competed in the Novato tournament. Uh, they both had uh, some close games and they went, uh, each went one and two. Um, who won that tournament, Dave? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually not sure. Okay. Well, I'm not sure either. Um, yeah. Redwood Christian tournament, uh, both Marin Academy and Carolinda uh, competed in that tournament. And that's a tournament, uh, Dave, that when I was at Marin Academy, we played in that tournament. I, I think, played in that tournament at Branson yeah. as well, many years ago. So, so that's been going on for a long time. Uh, and congrats to Tara Linda. Uh, they beat Lick Wilmerdine 55-52 for the title. Uh, Grady Bowers was our tourney MVP. I'm pretty sure we'll be hearing from correspondent Johnny Kearns on this. Uh, so congrats to Coach Baker, Tara Linda. That is a, a nice tourney win. Marin Academy played well, lost to Tara Linda in a close game in that tournament. Uh, Moving over to De La Salle tournament, um, Marin Catholic got their first win of the season versus James Logan on Saturday, and Theo Pontes made all team, uh, sorry, all tournament. They are still, you know, not a complete team, Dave. They're work, uh, waiting on their football players, including uh, standout Charles Williams, to come back yep. and play for them. So uh, I know they're giving some big minutes to uh, to freshmen right now. So they'll they'll get better as the season. Uh, progresses for sure, especially with uh, Mike Saya at the helm. Uh, and then finally, Branson had some great wins in the NorCal Ultimate Challenge. Uh, they beat Mitty uh, and then Vanden by two. So two really good wins. Branson off to a very tough start. So that is what I got for the boys update. Dave, um, anything to add there? Uh, do you want to move on to the girls? No, I'll move on to the girls. Thank you, Duff. Nice work. Yeah, so on the on the girls' side, I'll start close to home. The Sonoma Valley Tournament, a uh, great tournament that we've competed in for many years. The San Domenico, our San Domenico girls went 2-1 and one and took third place. Uh, we lost to a very good Montgomery team who's going to be um, one of the better teams, I think, in Northern California. So we learned a lot from that one. Um, Summer Jenkins, our awesome senior point guard and leader, made all tournament. And we also got some great contributions from... Lily Reeser, Avery Conklin, Mina Swain, Naeli Aguirre. So a uh, nice job to our San Domenico girls. Archie Williams also competed in that tournament and hung with some really tough teams. So that was a that was a good showing. Marin Academy hosted the Hoops versus Cancer tournament. 
uh, with a bunch of Marin teams. Tam girls beat Sonoma Academy to win the tournament. So they are six and one, Tam, to start the season. Wow. So congratulations to them. It's an awesome start. They've played seven San- games already? My goodness. I know. Wow. I know. I was noticing that too. That's a, that's a lot. Um, the Santa Fe girls went one and two in that tournament, but I'll, I'll shout out Sophie Everett made all tournament and dropped 34 in one of their games. So very impressive. Um, Marin Academy coached by my friend Kelly Thomas placed third with a 30 to 24 victory over international. Uh, Kelly does a great job with, with MA Marin Catholic hosted the lady cat classic, which was one of the best tournaments around. They had some really, really good teams. Some of the best teams in the state. Uh, Marin Catholic went one and two um, against really tough competition. Jocelyn Jiganis and Cecily had made all tournament. Redwood also competed in that tournament and went one and two. They lost to San Ramon Valley, who's excellent, and St. Ignatius, who's also excellent. Um, great experience for Redwood and MC to play those teams. Um, San Marin is 4-0. Tony Butler, once again, finding ways to win games, uh, and they do it with defense. They trounced Piner by 30 in the Prospector Classic. Three of San Marin's four games, Duff, they have held their opponents to under 20 points. Wow. Um, and then finally, Lick Wilmerding tourney. Uh, we're going to give a Branson girls season preview here in a minute, but they went one and two in that tournament. They beat Lincoln, uh, lost to Lowell, and lost to a very good Reardon team. Uh, Avery Meyerberg was named to the all-tournament team. And uh, Oh, sorry, I got one more. Novato. Interesting news about Novato. They, uh, they defeated St. Vincent de Paul 26-16 in the final of the Lady Mustang tournament, so they won that. And Novato has a new coach. Uh, Dan Curtaz has taken over. And the team is five and two. So great start for Novato. Happy for our friend, Michelle Bravelli smith uh, And congrats and good luck to Dan. And another team with seven games played already. A lot of touches already. Yeah. Touches. So Duff, Duff, why don't we launch our new segment, the Podcast Player of the Week? And you have the honor. Uh, yes. And before I announce our Podcast Player of the Week... Uh, we will accept nominations moving forward. So you can uh, hit us on Instagram or at the runtmcpodcast at gmail.com or at on our website at the runtmcpodcast.com and let us know if you want to nominate someone that you've seen play or someone on your team. I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to nominate yourself, but we're not going to rule that out. Uh, I would say also that... This week, we're kind of just going off of what we saw, you know, looking across the spectrum of Marin hoops Um, and the runner up, I would say, and and some would argue that because his team won the tournament, maybe he should be player of the week. But Jake Vasquez, runner up, uh, the podcast player of the week, uh, the Run TMC podcast player of the week, though, is Gio Bravelli, who just absolutely went on a scoring spree. He had 41 points versus Sonoma Valley and in the Three games of the tournament, he had 94 points total. So he is going to be a handful. My goodness, that is impressive. Uh, calling box and one. Anyone for a box and one, Dave? Yeah. Uh, Gio Bravelli, guard for San Rafael High, by the way, folks. Yes. Um, and uh, his dad could could shoot the ball a little bit. Played Division One at USF. Yeah. Good friend of ours. Um, his aunt, Michelle Bravelli-Smith, uh, a guest on this show. So, Gio, congrats. 94 points in three games. I can, I, I'm not, I was an English major, but that's around 30 points a game. Duff. 31.3. Thank you. Um, okay. So we have a season preview for the Branson girls team. Um, friend of the pod, Josh Meyerberg, who is uh, the father of Branson's stud guard, Avery Meyerberg, sent us this 
uh, Branson preview. So I'm just going to read what Josh wrote. And she um, made all tournament team, correct? She, she made all tournament. She's a really good player. She killed us last year uh, when San Domenico, we played them a couple times and, and Avery went off. So she's really good. So anyway, here's what Josh wrote. The Branson Lady Bulls enter the 23-24 season after several highly successful campaigns, including a Division IV state championship in 2022 under the leadership of star player Hannah Golan, who has moved on to Point Loma Nazarene in San Diego, playing Division II. Uh, Hannah will be hard to replace as the other seven seniors, as are the other seven seniors that graduated. Coach Nena Okariki enters her second season as the Bulls head coach, following an eight-year stint as the head coach at Drew High School in San Francisco. On the court, the team will be led by co-captains Avery Meyerberg and Julia St. John, the only two returners from last year's team. Meyerberg, a guard, comes off a highly successful sophomore year in which she was named a second-team All-MCAL player, and she's already scoring over 20 a game in a couple games. Um, and senior Julia St. John came off the bench last year as a small forward. She's a strong outside shooter that spaces the floor well with her length and perimeter presence. The new pieces on the team include some uh, JV call-ups and a strong freshman class. From the JV team last year, junior Paige Macy presents a matchup challenge in the post with her size and athleticism. And Maya DeSantiago was a reliable guard that is a pest on defense and will contribute in transition and the half court with her quickness and ability to finish at the rim. Ginger Oldmixon and Barbara Hernandez will provide hustle minutes on the defensive end. Two freshmen will be key contributors to the team this year, Talia Schneider and Alyssa Huang. Talia is a talented point guard with strong handles and a quick release, and she has a high basketball IQ. Um, and Alyssa is a strong outside shooter who will provide additional floor spacing and posted 10 points in only her second game on varsity. Duffy, this is my anecdotal comment right now. Mm-hmm. Talia Schneider, someone I coached for six years in CYO. Uh, love Talia. And oh, I talk about Talia. Her. Yeah. Of course you do. Talia's awesome. Yeah, so awesome. when 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 Josh play. mentions her her high basketball IQ, I think it's because of the fabulous CYO coaching she had from. No, it seemed innate to me. Uh, and Dave, I'm also going to point out that uh, ten points—that is double figures. That's what we call double figures. So she that, was in that's double a, figures in her second game. Well, that was Alyssa, but yes. Anyway, oh. um, yeah, still that's okay. Uh, Talia and Alyssa are both great kids. I've I've uh, I known them both um, and worked with them both, and they're they're phenomenal. Um, so overall, back to Josh's summary. This is a team that has shown that they can score, rebound, and defend in the early season against lesser opponents. While the team has a high ceiling in Division Four, another deep state run will require some luck, as this season most likely serves as a rebuild for the big things in Meyerberg's senior year and upon the return of guard Rosie Slan, who is studying abroad this season. And Rosie, phenomenal guard, uh, would be one of the best players in the MCAL. She's she's studying abroad this, this year. She'll be back next year. Um, so... Branson's going to compete. Nena, coach Nena is a great coach. Um, they've got some young talent and they're playing a tough schedule. So they're getting battle tested early. So thank you so much to Josh Meyerberg for that great update and preview. Yeah, that is fantastic. Do we know where Rosie is studying abroad? That seems like such a cool in thing Is- to do in high school. Yeah, she's in Israel. That is a life experience. So yes. All right, good for her. Uh, yeah, good yep. luck to the Branson team. We'll be hearing more about them as the uh, season progresses. Uh, Dave, we have discussed another new segment, and I'm just going to preview it now, and we'll come back to it. Is that okay? Sounds great. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so, Dave, in our opening game of the season, we played against University High, and we played at home, and the, the heat might have been turned up a little bit in our gym and University plays this 2-2-1 press, and man, they play fast on both sides. I mean, they're shooting, you know, they're getting into the paint 
they're cutting really fun team to watch. Um, we were able to hang with them, Dave, and uh, win the game on a pretty miraculous shot by Julian Nickel, an amazing uh, baseline pass from uh, Grady Stewart, and uh, the gym went wild. But that is not the topic of this segment. The segment is about uh, muscle cramps, or what some people would call heat cramps, but are actually, in the medical literature, we would call them exercise-associated muscle cramps, E-A-M-C. So we had four players uh, that had these cramps during the game. Wow. And so I've done a bit of a, a, a deep dive into how to prevent and treat them. And we'll come back to this because it's more nuanced than I initially thought it was. But for athletes out there who uh, are have a heavy workload, uh, and may expect to play all the minutes in the game and maybe have some lingering issues with regards to injuries or, uh, you know, tightness. You know, the key thing really is to hydrate ahead of time, but not with just water, Dave, because if you only drink free water, you know what um, electrolyte you can push down to very low levels and in some cases actually cause coma and death? No. Have you heard of this? Oh, sodium, hyponatremia. If you only drink just water to hydrate, and this Ooh. has happened, uh, actually, you know, it's, tragically, people have died because of this. People running long races, et cetera, they just chug, chug, chug water. And there, if your sodium level gets down low enough, quick enough, that uh, causes swelling in the brain. And that's bad news. So anyway, you want to hydrate ahead of time with electrolytes. Probably salt is the most important. important. People talk about magnesium, potassium, talk about bananas, but it's probably just, you know, drinking a Gator, Gatorade-like uh, drink mixing it with some water, liquid IV is good. Uh, and then if you do have the cramps, as we know, like the instinct is just to stretch them. And that's what we're doing on the sideline. But I found out, Dave, that our players had not prehydrated at all. Uh, so we're gonna, uh, we've been fixing that for, for our uh, subsequent games. So that's from the trainer's table, Dave. I think I probably have covered it uh, as completely as we need to. But uh, if we have any questions about that, maybe we'll bring it back. That's good info. Let's use our resource, Dr. Ballard here. He's, he knows his stuff. Uh, thank you, Duff. That's great. I'm not an athletic trainer, by the way, but I, I, I do know one. Henry at Archie, he's great. So. Okay, good. We got Annie at San Domenico too. Um, all right, let's move on to, we're going to do a quick glossary because uh, we have heard that people enjoy the glossary um, and some of our terms have been very, very deep and nuance. This one is, these are pretty simple, right, Duff? Yes. We're going to keep it quick. We always promise to keep it quick, but we're going to talk for as long as we feel like. Yeah. So maybe it's Well, quick. I'm going to endeavor to keep it quick. So uh, I'll go first, Duff. Um, my term is the middle third. This is very simple. If you look at a basketball court from baseline to baseline, you divide it up into three sections. There's the left, the middle, and the right. Um, the middle third is the middle of the court. So the rims are in the middle of the court. The keys in the middle of the court. Um, coaches often refer to the middle third on offense. Um, I always talk about it with, uh, in terms of a fast break, you get a rebound, you get an outlet. You want to attack the middle third, bring the ball down the middle of the court. So you have options. You can go left or right, gives you better spacing. So the middle third is important offensively. Uh, and then defensively, you often hear coaches preaching no middle, uh, to their team. So if the ball is on the wing and you're on defense, you want to force the ball handler away from the middle third. Uh, because once the ball handler gets into the middle of the key, uh, they get a, more options. It's more dangerous offensively. So on defense, you want to keep the ball out of the middle third often. And on offense, you want to get it there to give yourself more options. Yeah, and I would note, Dave, two things. First, that 
I see, and we we actually are preaching this uh, at, at Archie, I see some teams, because there's so much emphasis on defense keeping the ball out of the middle third in transition, that sometimes and often they, pushing the ball up the sideline really quickly is effective mm-hmm. because it is a straight line pass. If you have, you know, if you set it up so that you get your, uh, your backcourt player wide and then push it up the sideline. Uh, and the important thing, though, is if you are pushing it up the sideline, you want someone running that middle third, either as a trailer or in tandem, so that you have that option to kick it to the middle and you can use the whole floor. So um, that's the first thing. Absolutely. And then the middle third for me, when I go to the hub, uh, the first third, uh, usually Brussels sprouts, get some fiber, mm-hmm. uh, middle third, sure. field work IPA. And then I'm going to finish it off last uh, last third, probably with a grilled chicken sandwich, uh, maybe with some bacon. But hub burger, hard to argue with the hub burger. So there's my first, middle, last third at the hub. But the field the field work is the middle third for you. That's yes. that's the critical thing. Okay, yeah. good to know. Yeah. All right, what's your what's your glossary term, Duff? I've got uh, the over and back rule, and this is a rule that can be a little confusing. It seems uh, you know pretty obvious that you cannot dribble from the back court over the half court line into the front court and then either dribble or pass backwards. That is the basis of the rule. Uh, and it's a pretty cool sign when you see an official make the back court sign, right? They're kind of like their hand is, you know, picking the mm-hmm. cookie out of one jar and putting it in another and then putting it back in. Um, sure. But uh, you've seen this before, right, Dave? Oh, I have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the specifics on the rule are that for a player to be called for a back court violation, they have to have established themselves in the front court. And that means both their feet and the basketball have to be in the front court. And then they either dribble backwards uh, and it can be one foot or the, uh, or the one foot or the ball over, or they pass backwards. So they have to establish everything. And then if any little bit of it gets back across the line, then it's a violation. So if you're watching a game and I've seen, you know, fans and parents be like, oh, no, that's a backcourt violation, and they're yelling at the official, but the player probably hadn't fully established themselves over the half-court line. Got it. Good stuff. Yeah, I think it's good stuff. Uh, All right, so, Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about our guests um, from Sam Sam Marin, uh, past and current, and we intro them, or you do a good job of introing them in the interview. But uh, you want to say something quickly about Con and Chad? Real quick, our guests are Con Dunning, current uh, varsity boys coach at San Marin, and Chad Stewart, who is the principal at Del Mar School in Tiburon, but was 20 years ago the boys head coach at San Marin. So this is a, a deep dive on San Marin hoops, but we talk about a variety of topics. We hit on coaching philosophy, a lot of Marin history, uh, but really we wanted to, to kind of celebrate San Marin hoops past and present. So that's what we talked about. And I will, let's get to the interview where we talk more about these guys' backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, I just want to note, Dave, that they're both really fun basketball players to play with. I don't think Khan plays a lot anymore, but I used to play with him in San Rafael League a long time mm-hmm. ago. Chad, we play pickup all the time. Smart players, always in the right spot, pretty much always making the right decision. And yep. except for Chad could probably shoot a little bit more when he's open. Uh, but yeah, I love playing with them both and great guys and friends of the podcast. So we appreciate them being on and let's um, take a listen to the interview. Sounds good. Con Dunning, Chad Stewart. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Awesome to see you. Okay, so uh, these two guys have long histories 
in Marin basketball. Uh, listeners, this is going to be a Marin-heavy episode, and actually we're going we're gonna to journey up to the north of Marin, and we're going to talk a lot of San Marin today, which is good, because San Marin has not gotten enough love in the first couple episodes. So um, I'm going to give your guys' backgrounds here so our listeners have some context. I'm, I'm looking at Con, so I'm going to start with Con. Con Dunning, Redwood High School graduate, 1991, I believe the first Redwood High School graduate we've had on the podcast, Duffy. All right. Duffy's, nice. Duffy's giving me a amazed look. <laughs> um, so Where, where's Redwood? And Redwood's yeah. yeah. I'll show you a Google map. Uh, so Khan was in the early '90s in Redwood. He then played uh, hoops overseas in Germany for a couple years after high school. Came back to College of Marin, played for two years at College of Marin, and then uh, graduated from San Francisco State. You didn't play at San Francisco State. No. Nope. Um, and then Khan has had a. He's one of these people who's had a, a career in business. Um, but he's also been a very active and successful coach. So he sent me a list of his coaching. <laughs> it's a, a long and an illustrious list of coaching uh, positions, but just real quick. So Novato, he coached the freshman at Novato. He's coached at Terra Linda a couple times. He's been JV head coach and varsity assistant. He then moved up to the college level and coached at Holy Names. Right, assistant coach for a couple of years there. Yeah. Okay, is that Division Two? <laughs> yeah, it was NAIA at the time. NAIA. And now it's Division Two. Got it. Uh, was the head coach at San Rafael High for a bit, uh, and then uh, took a long break from coaching, and you know, as a dad and a husband, and then got lured back into the world of coaching in the middle of COVID in 2021. Uh, by our friend Michelle Bravelli, who at the time was the athletic director of both San Marin and Novato, and Khan is now the head boys coach at San Marin. So uh, we're very excited to have Khan, and we're going to talk about uh, San Marin today with Khan. Sitting next to Khan is our friend Chad Stewart. Chad is a, uh, a fabulous graduate of Drake High School. What year were you at Drake, bud? 96. 96. Well, it's funny you said you wanted to move over to San Marin, and then at, in moving to San Marin, he has to have the Drake guy in there. Right. Gotta have a Drake guy. Gotta have Drake. Which it's just, you can't. It's, it's, it's the heartbeat, heartbeat of Marin basketball. You can't escape Drake. <laughs> so, uh, Chad was a Drake grad, and then he coached uh, freshman basketball at Drake. He was the JV basketball coach at Drake. He then moved over to take on the role of varsity head coach at San Marin. Um, from 2002 to 2006, so you were a young man Very young. when you were coaching varsity basketball at San Marin. So Chad is going to be talking to us, to us about San Marin of yesterday, right? We got Con to talk about it today. Chad's going to give us some perspective on the history. He then left San Marin to become athletic director at Drake um, and then was assistant principal at Drake overseeing athletics for, for many years until last year when he uh, got the job of principal at Del Mar School in Tiburon. So um, Chad's had a long uh, history of playing, coaching, AD. He and Con both played in adult leagues. Chad and I just played pickup yesterday. He scored a bunch of baskets on me, so I'm annoyed with him. Uh, so we're very excited to have both of you guys here. Thanks for the time. Yeah, excited. absolutely. Yep. So let's jump right in and talk San Marin today. So Con, I want to I want to start with you. You know, we've been doing this. We're trying to. We have the lofty goal of trying to get a a preview, a team, a, a season preview from every coach or fan of every boys and girls team in Marin. So um, we'd love to talk about the San Marin boys, talk about the upcoming season. I know you've got a great player in Nick Cubley, but talk yeah. about the whole team. 
Yeah, it's, a, it, it's uh, an exciting year for us. You know, we made a big jump last year uh, from my first year, which was a bit of a disaster uh, between three injuries over the course of four games uh, to starters um, and then COVID, where we literally were shut down for 12 days, couldn't, couldn't practice for 12 days in the middle of the season. So that bit of a disaster uh, last year coming out of it. Um, the kids responded great. Uh, we went on to win 15 games, uh, finished third in, in league, uh, won, our, won a home NCS game, awesome. um, which was great. Uh, and this year we've got a lot of main, main guys coming back, right? So we have our core coming back. We graduated four seniors, um, all of them contributors, uh, great role players that we're definitely going to miss and have to replace. Uh, but I, I really like the group that we have. You know, we're, we're guard heavy, uh, not a lot of size. Um, but that lends into uh, an exciting style of play, right? So we're going to be very up-tempoed, um, try to pressure pressure quite a bit. So the league is guard-heavy, right? I mean, you don't yeah. have a, a lot of size. Obviously, Branson's got some size. Um, Redwood's got some size. Redwood's got some size. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, like uh, Duff said, Archie, you know, Archie's pretty guard-heavy. Yeah. You guys the same so, and I think MC is in the same boat, right? Yep. Yep, it is very much so. And a lot of traditional post players or size, and even the bigger guys in, in you know, at Redwood and Branson are traditional wing players. Right. Um, you know, there's not a lot of uh, your traditional post type. Well, that, that way, that game is probably somewhat yeah, disappointing. I feel like that's absent right now. Yeah, I think, that, I think that that's, you know, probably <laughs> the way the game has changed uh, the well, most. We've hit on it in every episode yeah. of this podcast, right? I mean, this basketball today is a lot different than when we were playing. Right? Yeah, and, and and again, you know, for me being, you know, I was way as you mentioned, ten years uh, kind of away from coaching. Yeah, uh, that first year was in a lot of ways. You know, obviously, I've been watching and following basketball, but when you're not really in it, um, you don't necessarily see all the the change, right? Because you're not having to teach it, you're not having to you yeah. know, prepare for it, you're not having to do any of that stuff. So. That first year was very eye-opening. I came in with stuff that I've traditionally done um, and learned quickly that that stuff isn't exactly the way it's played anymore. Yeah. Um, and the other side of it is the teaching. You know, the teaching has changed a lot. I feel like this probably will be the first year that I'm a lot more comfortable with, you know, the different style of teaching that you need to yeah. get through to these kids and, and, and you know, be able to, to, to grow and build both their confidence and, and you know their skill sets and all that and all that so yeah. it's interesting um, well, I want to talk more about that <clears throat> yeah I didn't mean to go off on a tangent no but yeah, that is interesting yeah, so yeah so how how have you changed your approach with um, so being um, we're, so doing a lot more teaching on the fly right so less breakdown yeah less time in, in actual just you know repetitive drills which you know when we were playing it was like you yeah. know <laughs> you you focus and get through this drill for the next 15 minutes right it's like holy smokes which i guess maybe that wasn't the best approach even then yeah but now absolutely like you just you cannot hold their attention for that and after maybe two reps you see it you see you know you see some slips start to happen right so you got to keep things moving yeah um so we're you know the focus this year is going to be uh um, well, i was also going to say if you don't let me cut you off there he's gone is uh brett brett devani who was at uh, archie you yeah. know with all he was at so many schools but when he retired at archie and i was working with him there it was interesting talking to the kids because Tavani had so much success 
but he had pretty old school structured offense and right. he would still slow it down. And the kids loved winning with him, but they also, in some ways, not about Brett, but they were excited for the transition to a new coach in that they could have more freedom. Right. And they're, cause they just so, they're not used to playing that way these right. days. Not used to uh, their AAU coaches don't do it, the lower levels. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was like a culture shock for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've, we, you know, we've thrown, almost thrown out a lot of the stuff that I had come in with as far as, you know, structuring every, you know, the way that we structure possessions, whether it's, you know, in early yeah. offense and then treat, we just, you gotta let them play a little more, right? You give them some structure, um, but for the most part, it's going to be a, very much of a flow, you know, and let these guys be the players that they've that they've been and that they've worked on, right? There's so much individual skill work that they put into it. Yeah. You know, let that happen. Let yeah. Me. We were just talking about this before we recorded. Uh, you know, we had a great conversation with Tyler Gaffney, San Domenico boys coach, great player at Branson, awesome guy, young guy. Um, yeah. Makes we'll me feel bad about we'll myself. Tournament. We'll okay. be at their tournament this year. Yeah. For that. It's, it, exactly. But he talks about they'll drill something, right? Whether it's boxing out or, you know, in the shell, you know, stopping face cuts, whatever, whatever it is. And they can do it for 10 minutes and it seems like they got it. And then they scrimmage and they're not boxing out and they're not stopping face cuts. So he's like, okay, they didn't get it. Right. right so right. it's that combination of when you're drilling it, making sure that they understand you're not just trying to, you know, do this drill. We're trying to, we're doing this drill so we can learn how to play basketball the right way. And you want to apply that, in the scrimmage yeah. and in and in the games, that doesn't always translate, right? So it's like a lot like teaching offense, right? You try to you run the plays, you teach them in five on zero, and then they get in, and sometimes they're either so structured that they forget. You you are trying to score. Did you not see that the guy wasn't guarding you? And you could go to the basket. I, oh, well, I thought I was supposed to make this pass, right? So, you know, that was I remember some of that in the offensive side of things too. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I get it. You know, we're, we're our focus is really going to be. You know, I've talked to we've I've been listening. Obviously, not just your wonderful podcast, what? but one of the things that, that has changed a lot in the last 10 years is the availability of information. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I've, I've basketball immersion website and podcast for me has been great. It's fantastic. Just the, the, you know, the stuff that he's teaching um, and, the, and the way that they're teaching and the, and the psychological side of things and, and that he talks about has been, you know, great for me. Um, you know, the slapping class guys yep. are fantastic. Love it. Right. I mean, they, they bring in such good insight and different coaches and different ideas. And so I've been really trying to absorb a lot of that so I can try to apply that, you know, in my teaching and, and, and grow. And we all want to continue to grow and learn and, um, you know, whatever I can do to try to help our kids be, be more successful and the program grow is, you know, I'm absorbing as much information as I can. Yeah. What's your favorite constraint? Small sided games with constraints. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I like the idea of, of focusing on um, an action that you want to have happen, right? And that they're understanding. So last night at practice, for instance, um, we played three on three cutthroat, which yep. is probably my favorite game to play because of the, even back then, right? We didn't know they were called constraints. Right, right, yeah. You put in rules, right? Rules. Okay, for this possession or this set session, you know, no dribbles, right? Or, you know, whatever it might be. So <clears throat> what we did last night is, you know, obviously we're, we're going to be focusing a lot on, on pick and roll action and, and playing that style of game. So we doubled their score on if they scored out of a pick and roll action, right? So it's three on three. If you got a layup out of it, you got four points. If it was a pick and pop and you hit the guy and you hit a three, you got six points. So, you know, yeah. kind of 
get them focusing on this is more valuable than just you know trying to go one on one and score. Let's get into that action as best we can. And we saw it. You saw it happen. We played for ten or fifteen minutes, and then you saw groups going off the floor and discuss, hey, let's run this, and they'd come out and they'd actually yeah. execute their own little play. At right. It, right. So it was good to see that growth and development in that short amount of time. That's that's great. Right. So you know, I think a lot more teaching within a competitive environment versus the breakdown drills and that's what we're trying to really focus on yeah we we had practice <coughs> last night with fulton we had four on four shell going with constraint stuff and listeners constraints is concept are just rules right just um kind of limitations on what the players can do and we said all right no shots unless you have two swings right so the ball had to go from one side of the floor to the other twice to get the defense to shift before we could get a shot off and then we scrimmage after that and it's amazing how the ball is moving so much better we're not just pounding right. the ball right, right. so those things are great. I love those rules. I was saying in the modern game with the high school kids, there's two things that drive me nuts. One is that they catch the ball and they put the ball on the ground. Like the kids just do that. I think it's through all the skill work that they do. And number two is they do not reverse the ball very well. Right. They catch the ball and they want to drive from the top of the key, which is not often. Sometimes it works, but it doesn't get the defense moving or they want to pass it right back where they got it from. But yeah. they do not see the peripheral just swing the ball. Right. Um, and if you do those two things, it's going to open up so yeah. much. Well, Cutthroat's your favorite drill, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Cutthroat's my favorite Defensive too. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, you can you can really drill both sides. Uh, usually it's in a three-on-three environment, which is what right. basketball is. It's two-on-two, three-on-three, right? I mean, yeah. you got to learn to play with each other. <clears throat> and then you can also, you can, like I said, both sides. I mean, you can play defensive cutthroat, right, and, and get points for yeah. stops. And So, yeah, we, we cutthroat is a, is a, a game. Um, I won't really call it a drill. I think it's a game um, that we'll play every day in practice. You know, we'll do some form of it every single day. Um, but you know the development of our of our and talking to our coaches about this is is shortening the shortening of practice, right? So high intensity for a much shorter amount of time yeah. versus dragging it out for two hours, right? So as we get into our season, as we get through these first couple of weeks, and we get our football guys back, and you know after they win their third state championship on December tenth or whatever that might be, yeah, um, <clears throat> you know our practices are going to be an hour, an hour and fifteen minutes long. Oh wow. That's it. Really efficient. It's going to be a lot of just competitive games, right? One-on-one, two-on-two, two-on-three, disadvantage yep. stuff, right? Three-on-three, four-on-three, three-on-four, and then and then a lot of scrimmaging. And teaching within those scrimmages. If we have to stop, we'll stop, teach, okay, play, right? Right. We'll try to keep it very limited and teach as much as we can on the fly, right? Great. You know, pulling guys out, maybe, right. you know, sub in, pull a guy out. Hey, listen, you know, this is what I saw. Didn't like that. You need to do whatever it might be, right? Get back in, see if they can apply immediately. Yeah. You know, one, I want to touch on one thing you said, Con, a couple minutes ago, you were talking about, um, you know, the five on O, right. And teaching the kids the framework, offensive framework, and they kind of run the play to run the play. Lindy LaRoque, who I mentioned this in another episode, but she played at Stanford for Tara. She's the head coach at UNLV now. I heard her on, it might have even been Chris Oliver's podcast, and she said, you know, we don't run offense to run offense. We run offense to score. Right. And I think I say that to my kids all the time. Now. I love that. Right. Because they think, okay, where do I go? It's, it's, the world is read and react now. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. you're not a robot. You need to read and react what the defense is doing. And uh, so I just, I like the way that she put that. Yeah, that's good. And that's why I think just, you know, like you said, the flow and, and we give them some, some structure. Yeah, like this this is what we would like to do as an idea, right? You know, early ball screen action, whatever it is. Like that's the idea. Now you guys go play right in, within that. So um, 
you have a an exceptional player, right? Yeah. In, in Cubs. Yeah. So, how do you coach? Uh, how do you handle that? Uh, you know, teams are going to be keying on him. Yep. Obviously, yep. right? Um, you know, so so talk about the challenges there. Yeah, Nick's Nick's a I mean, he's just a fabulous kid, uh, great player. Uh, he he's not only obviously very talented and the best player in in our program. He's also the hardest worker. I mean, he is constantly working to improve his game. Um, he's got something that we're trying to teach our freshmen as they start to come in uh, is, is a routine, right? We talk a lot in our program about building a routine for yourself. So when you walk in the gym, you're not just getting the ball and taking some shots. It's, it, you actually have a reason that you're in there. You're working to get better, and Nick's really good at that. He walks in the gym. He's got, you know, whether it's, he's got 10 minutes or he's got 20 minutes, he uses that time to prepare himself yeah. to, to practice, to play, whatever it might be. Um, and that's something that we're trying to you know, teach the other kids and hopefully rub off on some other people in the program. But he's a great player. He's an incredibly hard worker. And, you know, yeah, teams are going to be keying on him. Um, you know, we'll hope to – we've got enough of a supporting cast that's yeah. going to be difficult. Um, you know, we've got um, – who's going to be a sophomore, but, you know, Grant Means started for us as a freshman – uh, was honorable mention all league as a freshman, scoring ten points a game. Great. <clears throat> so you know, having him back um, as a, as an offensive threat and somebody who can get to the rim uh, as a guard. Um, Rio Siler, another returner. He'll be a junior. Um, just a knockdown shooter, right? So a guy that, that is really good at catching and shooting, um, and uh, and, a, and a solid defender. Uh, and then Tristan, Tristan has really developed a lot for us. He'll be a senior, uh, and he's a, a very crafty scorer. So Great. he finds ways to get to the basket, and he can shoot. He actually hit the three that tied uh, tied the game uh, against Marin Catholic last year at home on an inbounds play. Um, we we're technically running it for Nick, but I actually switched their positions because I knew Tristan is fearless. He wants that shot. Right, so we kind of put him in that position to where if he caught it and we said, if, if they don't come out on you because they're so worried about Nick, go ahead and shoot it. That's your shot, right? This is where I want you to go. This is where you're going to get some space. If you're open, shoot it. And he got it. He was open. He knocked it down. Right? And we awesome. Also went on to beat them in overtime last year, which was, I think, one of the first times we've beaten Marine Catholic in a very long time. It's always San Marine, so that was fun. We love our friends at Marine Catholic, but it's always fun to beat Marine Catholic. Always fun. 100%. Uh, okay. Real quick, and then we're going to get to our friend Chad to talk about San Ren of yesteryear. But, um, yeah, good idea, Doug. Um, thoughts on the MCAL schedule change? Single round robin. Yeah, so a little frustrating there because I think, um, you know, when we talked about it as coaches at the end of last year and, and there were some different ideas thrown around, um, from a coach's perspective, the caveat was then that we would go up to at least six teams in the playoffs, right? Because – you're going to a single round robin. You're the chances of you know slippage in a game that yeah. like you should have won. A kid is sick, an injury. Every one of those games really matters. Yeah, right. Right. So, I think would have felt that last year with you. <clears throat> exactly. You just right. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Every game matters, and um, it's not that it didn't before, but you had you know you could you could slip on a game here or there for whatever the reason might be and still have put yourself in position to, to compete for that playoff spot. Um, and they didn't. They, they kept it at four. Uh, so we had our preseason coaches meeting a few weeks ago and all of us pretty much raised our hand and said, well, you know, what happened? Like we were... So, yeah. So it's back on the table, hopefully. Um, 
And it, you know, my perspective is why not? Right. It's, it's good. It's good for the league. It's good for the kids. Personally, I think every team should make the playoffs in a single round robin structure. I think you have an eight, nine play in game on, on Saturday. Sure. And then you have an 18 tournament the following week. And what, what a great way to build excitement. What a great way to keep every team focused throughout the whole season. They all feel like they still have a chance, right? Because they're going to get to go play in that tournament. And you never know. I get it. Branson is, you know, <laughs> head and shoulders. I think yeah. of everybody this year. I don't think it's going to be much of a, you know, Redwood, Redwood will probably give them a bit of a game. But yeah. uh, I won't be surprised if, if Branson beats everybody by 20 or 30 easily. Like, I, they just their depth is crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing with the playoff side if it goes back to six uh, or they push it up to six. I think they'll be happier with it. But... Um, the challenge in the double round robin uh, was the scheduling, right? I mean, it's a lot of games to play. Uh, you're playing 16 games, um, and you're playing three games a week throughout January, which personally I don't have a problem with. Yeah. Uh, at that point of the season, what are you really working on anymore? Maybe you prepare for a team, but you really just want to play. I just right. want to play, right? You just want to just want to play. Um, but the big challenge, just to finish that, the big challenge on that for us was being a football school. You know, we were playing a, three league games before the middle of December. Right. I I don't. I mean, I mean, in a couple of years here, and we can talk more about this later. But in a couple of years, I wouldn't be able. To, I might not be able to field a team, the varsity level team, before the middle of December. Right. So that really hurt us. We're gonna. We're gonna. I want to come yeah. back to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get to chat here, but but we're gonna come back to. Coaching basketball at a football school. Yes. Uh, we talked about yeah, that a little bit with, with Mike Sias. So, awesome. Well, thank you, Con, for that preview. I'm excited to see you guys play. I was impressed seeing you play last year. And, and fans, uh, Nick Cubley's a real deal. Um, but he's got a really good supporting cast. And you guys, just last no, you guys had a really good JV team last year, right? Uh, freshman team. <clears throat> they were, yeah, the freshman team was 24-2. Yeah. That's, that's what, right. Yeah, that sophomore class. I mean, we'll have... Probably three sophomores on our team this year. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so that's San Marin today. Let's go. Let's go in the wayback machine, Chad Stewart. <laughs> and you, young, twenty-something-year-old Chad, takes over at San Marin in two thousand two. Uh, now, what, what's interesting is you came from Drake as a player, as a coach. Drake, we've already talked about it. We can't get away from it. It's the mecca of basketball. It's an established program. You had. Pete Hayward there, winning his coach, I think, in MCAL history. You got Doug Donnellan, takeover, was there for many years. You had this established, the New York Yankees, right? And you go to San Marin that has had good years, but also some down years, and you're kind of rebuilding, right? So how did you approach that? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Drake, Drake piece, because in my experience um, and just my story, without that, my experience at San Marin would have been fully different. In that, so I was hired at Drake as a freshman coach when I was 18 years old. I actually got hired the day after I graduated high school. Went to safe and sober grad night at the Marin JCC. Um, and, you know, you're up till 6 o'clock in the morning. And I interviewed, I think, at 10 a.m. that morning with the great athletic director, George Lewis. And yeah. somehow they hired me. And back then I just like, okay, that's great. But when I know in my job now as a, as a high school administrator, now I'm middle school, but... 
I know how, how crazy that is to actually hire a high school kid the day after they graduated high school um, into your you know into your school and give them the reins. So that was super cool. And uh, you know, as you said, Pete Hayward and I got a really close relationship uh, from doing pirate camps and him being my teacher at the school. Uh, I got very close to Doug Allen. And we and, and I kind of modeled my coaching career after those two, which is very different than I would do it right now. And I adapted quickly. Yeah. But I certainly and what I mean by that is I was pretty high intensity as a freshman coach. Okay. Um, and I loved the experience. I had some great players. Um, in my first championship, I won at Drake and put up a, a pennant. I had uh, Alex Pribble was my point guard, who's a college coach now. Zach Barello, who uh, is the Redwood Girls coach, was my Yep. shooting guard. We had a lot of great players. Uh, my last three years at Drake, the combined record was 75 and 7. Um, so I, was, I had a lot of success and, and I was young, right? So I'm feeling like yeah. I'm really good at this. Yeah. This is easy. <laughs> this is easy, right? And so um, then all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I said, okay, this is what I want to do in life. I want to be a coach. I'm, gonna, I'm passionate about it. And so I applied at a few spots. I got beat out at San Rafael High School by one Con Dunning uh, when I was like 20 or something like that. Uh, so I got hired at 23 at San Marin, came in. The kids in there, they were pretty good. There was a good, talented uh, group of kids that were up as sophomores okay. um, the year before when Lance Phillips was the coach. And so I said, okay, you know, I, I got a good group. But when I came in, it was a real culture shock to me. And what the culture shock was, I expected everybody to love basketball. I expected everybody to have the same skills of what I was used to. That's Drake. what it's like at Drake. Yeah. That's what it's like at Drake. When, at Drake, you have your cutting kids at Drake that would be, you know, like the seventh man on some other teams. Right. And so that was my, the big culture shock at San Marin is there's no depth. At least that's when I was there, there was no depth. Yeah. So I would have two really good players and then I would have a couple solid players, maybe three solid players. And the solid players felt good at Samarin, but what I was used to at a varsity at Drake right. is those players would probably be like the 9, 10, 11 at Drake. And then I came in, similar to what Khan said he did last year, which is I came in trying to teach a little bit too much. And I was, you know, a young 23-year-old saying, okay, yeah. I know how to coach basketball. So I think I overcoached early on. Um, that was my biggest lesson is uh, I just put way too much on these kids. I also was all about defense, and, and for me, I'm, I'm still this way, is yeah. mano y mano, let's play man defense, we're going to get up in your jock, and we're going to go play you, right. and we're going to help, and we're going to overhelp, and we're going to scramble, um, but I realized that the kids at San Marin, just without that basketball background, and knowledge, and depth, is they just didn't recover quickly enough, they didn't know where to recover, they didn't sink to the right spot, um, so those that was initially... My wake-up call is just talent level and depth. We couldn't get there. Well, with that said, you have a really tough league at that time, too. Like, we just interviewed Rick Winter and had a great chat about his. So, Rick was at MC from 95 to 2010. He had some amazing teams with Michael Turner. So, right when you're at, at Sam Marin, right, Turner's at MC. He's got those teams. Jonas <laughs> had amazing teams at Branson. Drake teams were good. Drake teams was my kids from freshman were up on varsity. The Drake teams were good. TL was good mm -hmm. at that time. Varsity. So you you have, you've got a league that's very deep, that's got a lot of good teams, and you're kind of rebuilding, and you just don't have as deep a talent pool. Right? Yeah, that was rough because 
when you when you say it that way, Dave, I remembered, and it always ticks, ticks me and my coaching staff off when we look back at it because we're like, if we still had the same group of kids that we had, uh, Zach Bachmeyer, for instance, was my uh, best player that year uh, for those two years, the first two years, and he, he was one of the league leaders in scoring. Chad Leho was the best over at Justin Siena, but Bachmeyer was number two, uh, really good player. Uh, and we're like, if we had Zach in almost any other year, except for those two, yeah. we would have been not only a playoff team, but I think we would have been making a run in the playoffs. And I also think that if I was a little bit older and I was a little bit more experienced on how to coach a game um, and what to put in and how, you know, kind of how to dumb it down a little bit, yeah. um, we also would have had a little bit more success. But also coming into San Marin, it, it was interesting. You go into open gyms, just pick up games. And... That was my very first first thing. You go in the summer and we're running pickup games, and the kids had zero clue how to do pickup games. They'd be inbounding the ball like they somebody call a foul, which they would never call fouls. I actually had to stop things and say, you know, teach them yeah. how to call a foul on each other and who calls it. And then they go and take the ball underneath the basket and like go inbound it right. as a pickup game. And I go, guys, we check it up at the top of the key. Have you ever played pickup? And and they had it. Right. So whereas we got again back to. You know, Drake, yeah. outdoor courts, all the Drake kids are doing <clears throat> yeah. is going down to the outdoor courts and playing pickup. Exactly. And so there was a lot of teaching. It also was, to me, I wanted to shift the kind of the feeling of the program. I wanted, I wanted the kids that were playing on the basketball team to feel like it was something special. So first thing I did was, I mean, the easy stuff. So we got new uniforms right away. Um, I really... Talked this. I, I talked the school into painting the gym. So if you remember when you called it yeah. a barn earlier, it used to be you know wooden walls all over the place. Uh, so we painted it white. I wanted it to be brighter in there. I got the, the bleachers were awful. So I got some donations to cap the bleachers with just some green plastic. I spent the entire summer in our basketball team room and painted it and got new lockers in there. We carpeted it. It's not there anymore because they did, they uh, redid the locker room. Right. But it was it was beautiful. It looked like a yeah. you know college locker room because I wanted the kids to feel special and that helped. Um, but it only helped so much. It helped it helped until right. we actually started playing games, Dave, and then <laughs> it didn't help so much. So um, talk about Craig Pitty because he's a um, you know, a very prominent figure in Marin basketball history. It's a very sad story. Um, oh, right. Chad's wearing, literally wearing a, a, a fleece that says in memory of Craig, of Coach Pitty. So, so talk about Craig. Yeah, that was purposeful. I figured I'm talking San Marin basketball. So bring the heart back. So Pitty and I, uh, we met when we were teaching together. We both taught at White Hill Middle School. I was teaching PE. He was teaching history. I didn't know him. Supposedly he knew me, he tells me later coming in, and he said he, he, said he hated me. And the reason he hated me was because he applied for the Sam Marin job oh. and interviewed when I got it. And it was, it was pretty funny. They, they asked, uh, during the interviews, they asked us to diagram. They, there was two offenses. I forget which, one, which was one of them. The other was the flex offense, which I could do easily. Yeah. And Pity's like, I didn't know either of them. So he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like so I get up there and I'm like, well, I wouldn't run either of those offenses. Here's what I would run, and he starts like drawing that up. Um, but he said he, he he watched me for two years, coach, and he was like, I should be coaching that team. And then he, and then we met each other teaching, and we you know had a great relationship. And he was like, I actually kind of like this guy. 
Um, By the way, so, Chad still runs flex today, right? Though absolutely do. <laughs> okay, and, I, and he still runs fifty-five. Un- <laughs> unapologetic. <laughs> yes, unapologetic. unapologetic. Absolutely. Go ahead. In certain ways I know how to win. Uh, <laughs> I didn't run flex at Sam Rand, by the way. I ran a very hint of it, but I did not run okay. it too much. A dusting of flex. A dusting of it. Just when I wanted some sort of structured motion because the kids didn't know how to move too well so I structured it a little bit but anyway so uh, Pity and I ended up hitting off and eventually we were roommates together so when we were young mid to late 20s um, living together in a house teaching together and then I talked him into coaching the freshman team Um, and so he started coaching the freshman team and when I left Sam Moran to become the AD at Drake Pity took over his varsity and then he moved over to Sam Moran to teach social studies and he had a hell of a run. Um, yeah. Won the MCAL championship with Stuart Wasonga. Yeah. Won the NCS. They, they beat Bishop O'Dowd at San Marin uh, with Brandon Ashley, who played over at Arizona. And yeah. Had a, maybe a cup of coffee. as trying out for NBA teams. Great player. Um, yeah, great player. Yeah. And so Pity had a lot of success. And I, I look back and I would always tell him this. I said, you are the perfect person at San Marin. Because what I, cause as I said, I brought this whole... Drake basketball concept in my mind to that school, yeah, and it didn't work very well. Where pity, um, he what he did is he was very smart in this way. He said he knew he had one player or two players, and pretty much they got ninety five percent of the shots. He would not let anybody shoot except for his top guys. Yeah, and he would structure everything. He was very like. Like he, he would, their motion offense five out right now. Pity would never do. He would, he would get very frustrated with it. He because he wants it in yeah. Dave's hand and Dave, you're scoring and I'm going to set you up and scoring. And then defensively, things that I would never do, um, and I still think they're very effective. He'd pick the two guys on the court that are the best players, and he'd put the whole house at them, and he'd leave guys wide open. Let the other guys beat you. Yeah, just fully, and it worked a lot. It I mean, he had a lot of success coaching that way. And I wish I had seen him do that when I was at San Marin so I could do a little of it because it was, it was highly effective. And even after Wasonga graduated, his teams were still really competitive. Yeah. And, right. and because he knew he was, I've never seen anybody <clears throat> scout as well as Pity. Hmm. He, was a, he was a great scout. He knew how to beat you and he was very strategic and smart. But ultimately, the best thing about him is he's just, he was a lovable individual yeah. and he loved his kids. I mean, he would. He would become really close with them, almost friends with them, and they loved him back, and he was just iconic at the school. So it was a great experience in my life to just spend, yeah. like, be really close to him. And when he passed, I mean, just tragic for our friend group, our coaching staff, just everybody around. Yeah, very, very <laughs> sad. He passed away a couple couple years ago, right? About five years ago. He yeah. was 40 years old. Colon cancer. Yeah. Just, yeah. just awful. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. And... Um, you know his name still his name's in the on the wall right it's on the court and the wall on the court um, signature on the court. yeah we run we have a, a annual game with Casa which is the Pity Forney yeah classic they call it so it's you know they have a coach that kind of similar circumstances so we play every year in that and then last year we started um, an alumni game um, and that's the Pity Wilhelm alumni game for uh, for Zach. Yeah. Who was a player on my team <coughs> the first year that tragically uh, passed away right. in a car accident? Yeah, um, and we have it's last year was amazing. We had probably forty alumni show up. Oh, and awesome! We were just able to make two teams with them: the Pity team, the Zach team, and 
and it was just a lot of fun, right? And the guys loved it, and uh, it's you know it helps to raise money for uh, for a scholarship, um, both the Pity and the Wilhelm scholarship that we that we give out every year, uh, and we're looking forward to doing that every year. It's going to be great. Yeah, so that's great. Thanks, you guys, for for sharing that. Um, you know, it's funny chattering talking about. Craig's uh, philosophy, right? Get the ball to your best players. Stop the other best players. We we interviewed Tim Lacoste, you know, Dominican mm -hmm. coach, women's coach, awesome guy. Um, and we had this whiteboard chalkboard moment portion of our podcast that we had a couple times. And was like, just walk us through a, your favorite play. Was like, what's your diagram of play for us? It's like, okay, well, here's my favorite out of bounds play. Get us my best player. <laughs> and you know, we were kind of laughing <laughs> and like and exactly it's. And it's absolutely a great answer, right? Mm -hmm. He said, basically, he said, look, either she's going to score or she's going to create an opportunity for somebody else, yeah. right? Yeah. And then Duffy was like, yeah, and then on defense, let's let's just stop their other team's best player from scoring. Sometimes it's an easy he, solution, right? He we goes, goes, oh, I meant that we, we literally have one baseline out-of-bounds play. We run one, the same play for the last you know three years, and it works. And there's some counters to it, obviously. And adjustments but it's pretty much you know get the ball into Nick's hands and then we run some guys off the of screens but Nick has the decision to make good things will happen one-on-one -on -one, make yeah. a play. Awesome. So um, I want to talk about San Marin kind of taking a step back and well so first of all there are kind of two two topics that I wanted to hit on. One is and you, you mentioned this Colin um, coaching basketball in a school that is very football focused right and we we talked about this a bit with, with Mike Sy. I mean, Marin Catholic obviously has had great success in basketball and football for many years, but Mike was saying, you know, it's hard when I got some key contributors who are football players where when we're trying to put in a system, they're, oh, I'm not going to get them until December, right? So they got to catch up. So for, for you guys, how do you manage that? I mean, it's, that's, a, it's a big challenge, you know, and it's, um, it's going to get the next couple of years are going to be even more of a challenge, as I sort of mentioned. But this year we've got, you know, four of our top six players are varsity football players, right? So yeah. um, waiting for those guys uh, is, is you know, you're really hoping, you know, we're looking at our schedule. So what I did this yeah. year was, you know, now understanding kind of how that works. And, you know, it took me a year or two to kind of yeah. figure that out is now when I'm scheduling. I really am trying to push as much of our schedule in yeah. December as I can. Right? Totally. And then hopefully, you know, you schedule some games um, that you feel you can be competitive in when you know you don't have your full team out there. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, we're going to miss if they get to the state championship game. That's eight games, right, that those guys will basically won't be available for. Um, so, you know, we'll be playing with a, with a couple of the sophomores, uh, probably some kids that will end up being on the JV team. They're going to have to play up, right? So that's... Yeah one advantage to it is these kids get a little bit of a taste of what that's like and you know hopefully motivates them to 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 be able to compete um, but it is also nice because football players bring a little different attitude they bring a little different toughness, toughness right? absolutely um, and and then certainly we try and key on that with those guys uh, when they do come in and the other the other part of it is um building a system right so we are now kind of figure that we've and, you know, we've experimented with some things the first couple of years. And I think this year we've kind of settled on what our system is going to look like. Yeah. Um, and so applying that to the freshman level, the JV level, the varsity level, right? Having some consistencies that we know this is what we do and this is how we do it offensively and defensively. So that where when those guys show up, 
that's a little easier of a transition. It's not like we're having to teach something new to them every year. They should right. have that understanding already. You you have such a good positive perspective of it because it drove me crazy. They they so were, was that the case when you were there too? They, Chad? Yeah, they had just won a North Coast uh, section championship when I was coming in. They were really good for for at least my first two years. Yeah, and you know I was trying to create a culture, like an attitude and practice that to me, they didn't have it before. It wasn't like. Hey, once we're in between these lines, we're going to give everything we have, every ounce. We're going to be focused or eye contact. You know, we're going to sprint hard. So I would build up my practices in November. I mean, we and we had the culture going, and then, those and then the football would come, right? And, yeah. and they were good, but they were also exhausted because right. they had just made this right. playoff run, and they're hitting each other, and so they're so like tired. And then you, they got Chad Stewart like in their face, right. like right. like. Hey, you're supposed to be looking at me right now and intense. And it kind of changed the, the dynamic. And I actually had some guys walk away from the team because I was too crazy. And then also, like you mentioned, JV guys calling up. Football with Oopsie. I know we were going to get at, and I was going to bring that part up. Yeah, too. so football would take so long. And then I have the JV guys up for, for you know a month and a half. And I feel like awful setting them back down to JV. Right. right. So, and then they're sitting bench. It just totally changes everything. Yeah, the other side of that too, though, now is that you know, um, they this is the, for me this is a real frustrating um, part. And i and, and Coach Damari has been great, um, and I'm you know work with him, and, and he's allowing guys to show up to you know some tryouts next week when the season's over before they get into the NCS. Yeah. And allowing us, you know, we're starting to figure out that balance a little bit better, right? Like he's got to understand like we need players. And I like he really understood that before, right? So the other thing they do is they call players up from the JV for the playoffs. Sure. Well, oftentimes those are also very good basketball players right. that are coming up. So, you know, we're dealing with that right now and then I'm, you know, having to tell a couple of them, look, that's a great honor. The problem with the problem with it is though that we don't, you know, we've got 55 kids on the varsity football team. Right. There, there are no more uniforms or helmets for these kids that are being called up. So essentially they're going to practice and then they're not really getting... You're taking them away from basketball. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like, you know, how can we make this work? Like, yeah. come on, we, there's got to be, fine, give them a, you know, great job. You earned a spot, but, you know... If you want to move on to basketball, so right. and Dom, Dom right. gives a kid a choice, right? right? And I think they've done that now. I think he's realized, oh wow, you know, you know, these guys are missing a month of their next sport. They give them that option, and then I talk with some of the key players about, look, especially this year, if you don't take that call up, or even if you do, maybe we can work out doing both, which you can do at right. that point of the year. But it's an hourly thing. We have to figure out. They're only allowed sixteen hours a week of practice, and the game counts as three. So you kind of have to balance that out but you know we're, we're kind of throwing that carrot out to a couple of the sophomores in particular about you're going to get a chance to play at the varsity level for a few games at least right if you right if you don't mm -hmm. do that so right. it's it's a balance and it is really tough uh, i agree um, and it's frustrating because i think that the football attitude because of all the success is if i'm not at everything yeah i'm going to get overlooked or I'm not going to get the same opportunity, right? Absolutely. So these kids feel like yeah. all year, right? And they go into spring training and they go into summer stuff. And their focus is always like, well, I can't miss football. Right. Right. And it's like, I'm hoping to kind of start to build that same Make basketball. Right there. And, and, and the, way we've, the way we've done that, unfortunately, is you know, we've made some tough cuts. 
you know, with, with now with some seniors that have been in the program. So, sounds like 20 years right. later, the exact thing, same thing. <clears> it's the same thing, right? That's exactly what I was saying. With some, with some juniors who were like, I know what your commitment is. It's football or baseball and basketball is kind of like, I like to play. So I need to hear from you as a junior that we're going to see you next summer a little bit. There's going to be a, a commitment because we didn't see you all summer last year. Yeah. And some of these kids have said to their credit, Hey, you know what? Then I, you know, I'm probably not going to play, right? And that's great. I, I appreciate them making that decision, right? Instead of saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there," and then they are, and now it's yeah. Now I'm in a situation where it's like, well, you're a senior, and you weren't here all summer, and that's the way it's going to be. Right? I mean, so, I think a lot of coaches deal with this. Sometimes it's football, sometimes it's other sports, but football is just such an all-encompassing sport. And to your point, I mean, so many. It's such a big roster, right? Yeah. That's by far the biggest roster, right? So that's a challenge. So I wanted to, to touch on too, just one quick thing about, you know, Duff and I were chatting before we're both Marin guys. You know, we don't know a ton about like the Novato market, right? The addressable market for San Marin versus Novato High. Yeah. Talk about that. I mean, so geographically, my sense is San Marin is sort of the northern end of Novato. We're, we're, we're a very, yeah, very, very end of Novato. I mean, you get out to, uh, you know, you take Novato, you're on Novato Boulevard. Once you pass San Marin, you know, you're, you're headed for... You're Petaluma. Yeah, you're, you're into Petaluma. And yeah. You're headed for, uh, you know, Point Ray Station. So the demographics or, or the kind of the addressable market for you guys versus Novato, um, talk about that. Is it roughly the same population center? Because, I mean, it just seems like San Marin... Not, not uh, We love our friends at Novato. We have Michelle Bravelli on. She's the athletic director there. They've got great coaches. They're building it up. They've had some success. But on the whole, it seems like San Marin has had, at least for football and basketball, more success in recent years than Novato has, right? Is there... Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, it, it, so I think it's been now about three or four years now. Um, the two schools have uh, kind of separate programs that they run, right? So you've right. got it. San Marin has started the STEM program. Um, and it's been incredibly successful at bringing kids. And I think this, this next year, there's over a hundred kids that are, that are coming to San Marin because of the STEM program. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a growing program. That means they want to play football, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and I think the success in athletics helps with that. But the reality is in a STEM program, yeah. you get a lot of boys, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just, just. Science, technology, what it is. Yeah. Exactly. Science yeah. technology, engineering, math. Yeah. So you get a lot of boys. Um, and then over at Novato, they've started the arts, the arts program, mm -hmm. which right. has also been incredibly successful. They've got a great program over there. But, you know, it's right. more, you know, centered towards girls. Yeah. yeah. Quite frankly, right? That's a kind of a big differentiating factor. Um, and so I think that that has helped certainly attract more male student athletes you know i know tony, like tony this year yeah uh, is struggling he's not going to have a freshman girls team tony butler great coach sam Ryan, girls coach we're going to have him on as well but yeah he, he, and he's had some drake drake guy drake of course yeah, always going back, 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 back to drake. tony's had some outstanding teams and the guy can coach man absolutely I mean, he, yep. yep he's in every game yep because he coaches defense and they play really hard but it's but i i noticed that i redwood is the only school in Marin, that will have a girls freshman team, which is just crazy, right? I mean, it's it's crazy. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, um, it's you know obviously being being not being on the girls side, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to that's what's happening on that side. But yeah, um, it is it is interesting. You know, I, I 
maybe it's something that I think that there's a lot more activities for the girls now. You've got lacrosse, right? You've got now flag football um, is is a new sport that came field in. hockey. Um, well, there are, there are a couple starting. things. Uh, one is soccer and basketball are now the same yeah. season, yeah. and there's a lot of crossover on the girls' side between really good soccer players and really good basketball players. Yeah. And so I know of a few off the top of my head who are great at both. They're going to play soccer. That's one. Two, volleyball has become extremely successful in Marin. Um, absolute Marin juniors, these great programs that have drawn a lot of kids in. And we're seeing, I mean, look at the success that we've had in volleyball in Marin. Yeah. Multiple state championships, multiple Division One players, right? So I think that contributes to it. And they're just ebbs and flows, right? There's some... Sure. Some years where there are more players than, than less, but uh, it is it is interesting the um, this particularly uh, on the boys side that San Marin has had a lot of success in the last couple of years at the at the sports yeah in sports in general yeah and I think it I think the STEM program hasn't hurt you know I so think it's a, definitely brought in more uh, some kids that might have gone to Novato yep right I mean we've got a couple of them on our team yeah you know who are who are in the Novato district but they are at San Marin for STEM and so. You know, we certainly benefit from that from, from an athletic standpoint as well. Cool. So we, we hit on some, we got into a nice tangent on some coaching stuff earlier. That's, I, I love talking coaching. And I mean, this was great, Duff. I mean, these guys show up at your house and we're not even recording and we're just start nerding out on talking about practice planning and coaching drills. And they're ignoring the bagels. So yeah, I was going to say, there was, a, there was an audible disturbance, which was Duffy bringing in bagels a knife fell to the floor, but um, in addition to, we all have some coffee. And iced coffee for you, Dave. I, I don't know if you're ready. Oh, for thank you. That, yeah. That's for me? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, we get in this back room of Duffy's house, and you know, I was kind of picturing like the All the Smoke podcast. Yeah. And it's like blunts versus iced coffee. It's very dark leather versus light leather. Just I mean, wait. It's just a total different vibe, but it's very similar. So this is and a morning <laughs> for the CYO championship. The CYO yeah. championship on yeah. the mantle. Does that give you shivers, Chad? I love it. <laughs> Yes. So uh, I want to get back to some, some coaching uh, nerdiness. And I actually, I want to talk about assistant coaches. So Duffy and I are both assistant coaches. We're, we're here to represent the assistant coaches union. Um, Chad, you're in your early 20s. You get the San Marin head coaching job. How do you go about picking assistant coaches? Good question. Number one, I'm assistant coaches. I'm a horrible assistant coach. I'm, I'm not good. You're an coach. alpha, man. I, I'm, when, on a basketball court, I'm an alpha. It's a, as yeah. far as coaching, I right. have really trouble sitting down and not wanting to get up and start calling things. Yeah, yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, so at 20, Chris McCune stayed with me. So Chris McCune, who now is the facilities director at the TAM district, yep. and he's high in the, uh, the basketball community. His daughter plays at San Marin. Both daughters went there. Um, so Chris was with me at Drake. Uh, as a freshman and JV coach, and I love Chris, and he's just a people person. So I said, of course, Chris is coming with me. Bo Potts was another assistant coach who was already the assistant at San Marin. So I played against him in adult league. He and I coached together one year at Drake, and it was a perfect transition because Bo already knew the players. Um, he was about 35, mid-30s. Um, so age is, was something at that time. Um, for me, I, I wanted my assistant coaches to not just be Chris, who was in his late 20s, me early 20s, um, I needed a little bit of a um, perception in the community that uh, yeah. I actually knew what I was doing. So my other assistant coach was somebody who taught with me over at uh, White Hill. His name's Pete Donoff. And Pete was about 60. Uh, 
gray hair, bald glasses. It was, and I loved perfect him look. to death. And he could coach, but it was the perfect look. That was the optics you wanted. Yes, exactly. If any mom or dad were sitting in the stands and going, "This young guy doesn't know what he was he's doing," then I could have Pete down there and say, "Look at there you go. I have a veteran with me." So, but ultimately, <laughs> yeah. to me, I don't want yes guys as assistant coaches. I'm sure we all would probably say the same. Is I want somebody that's going to push my thinking. Um, and Pete would do that a lot. And I would then he'd throw out some crazy ideas. Pete always wanted me to sit chat. When we're losing Marine Catholic by 20, he says, let's try this once. Let's put our defensive player, one player, underneath our hoop, uh, underneath their hoop. Like, just send it. <laughs> like, he just stands there. He goes, and we do a four-man zone. And he goes, what are they going to do? They're either going to have to send somebody back to guard them. If not, we're throwing the ball every time. He was begging me to try it once. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. But, that, uh, that but yeah, but so you, want guys, you don't want yes guys. You want guys that are going to throw out ideas and you either take yeah. them or leave them. Yeah. And intensity. I really want intensity. Gotcha. Cool. Um, okay, well, we're, uh, we're running a little short on time. So we're going to jump to... Uh, Chad, you, you mentioned coaching to win. Talk about that. Did I mention that? You said, I think you said you were an expert. So. You said yeah, you were an expert sure. coaching to yeah. win. Does anybody not coach to win? I am interested <laughs> in learning how to coach to win. I'm not going to teach you anything to coach to win. But here, I was thinking about coaching to win. I think it. I think number one is the coaches that really know how to game coach are the ones that are fully locked in during the games. They're, they, they see everything. Um, and they're intense with their players. They are really able... They're like... Master directors that are hyper focused. Yes, hyper focused. You have a sold out crowd and you are just locked in on the game and you can anticipate one or two steps ahead. I've always thought I was good at that. Where, like, we were talking about offense earlier. I don't think there's enough quick hitters right now in this in the sport. I don't think uh, we coaches are able to just in the flow stop things real quickly, run it, get a basket, and then if not, flow. But, but not every coach can do that. Like, Coaches, there's a lot of coaches that do not have the ability to see it, to recognize who's in what position, to recognize a mismatch when it's there in the moment and just quickly be able to call it. Uh, but I also think you have to be intense. So in order to do that, though, as we all know, it's like is it starts in practice. Yeah. I mean, it's the uh, as John Wooden once said, it's like the, the game is just a, it's like the test, you know, to see how well we did in practice. Right. And so if you have the same level of intensity in your practice and the passion, then in the games you can coach to win. But where it also does it start is love. Like if you don't, if your kids don't think that you love them when you are coaching to win in a game, because you see some coaches that yeah. do this, that they're crazy and the kids can't stand the coach, right? But if they know you love them and, you, and you've set that up, yeah. then it's just a byproduct when the games start. I was thinking about a story the other day about, I was talking about Zach Bachmeyer earlier. And we did something when I was at Samarin, we, we call it the fist. And it was a Mike Krzyzewski thing, if you've ever read his mm -hmm. book, Five Point Play. And there's tenets of the fist. But ultimately, it's saying when you have five players on the court, yeah. when they're together in a fist, they're a lot stronger, right? They make right. a much bigger punch than when they're apart. And so what I would always do with our players is, now everybody fist bumps. But back then, yeah. like when we fist bumped or we put our, our fist by our heart, that was our showing of togetherness. So I was talking about Zach Bachmeyer. I don't think I'll embarrass him by saying this, is, is he was a little uh, hot-headed at times. So when I first came in, especially in the summer league, he was getting teased left and right. Yeah. Um, he'd, he'd get into it with players. He'd get in with, with officials. 
And initially, I wasn't, I wasn't, didn't know how to handle it because I couldn't calm him down. So then he and I made an agreement. I said, Zach, this is our agreement the rest of the season. I can always see about five possessions before you blow that you're about to blow. I always see it uh, because somebody's done something to you, whether it's a ref or another player. And so when I see that, I'm going to look you in the eye. I'm going to yell across the court. I'm going to say, Zach, and I'm going to take my fist and I'm going to put it by my heart. And nobody in that gym, we could have a sold-out crowd, nobody yeah. knows what I just did. And you always have to look back at me and put your fist and put it by your heart and just nod at me. I said, you're not allowed to say, I know, or yeah. I'm good. Right. I, it's all it is is a hidden thing that says, I love you. Yeah. I see what's about to happen. And this is me telling you like a father that yeah. I anticipate this. And you come back and just say, I got you. And it was like, to me, if you're going to be in the, the heat of a moment in a, in a close game, if you have those relationships with kids and know exactly how their their mind's ticking and how they're feeling, that's how you coach to win. Yeah. It's like you have to know every kid and know what they're capable and then bring it out of them in the game. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful story. It is. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, one thing that I have noticed, too, is um, the teams where it's a tight game and maybe the coach is going to put something in and you look at the huddle, right? And are the 14th and 15th players looking around the stands kind of toned out or are they locked in on the huddle? And the teams where everybody is locked in on that coach and listening, even if they're, you know, a freshman that's not going to get any playing time, I think that's a sign of a team and a coach that's coaching to win. 100%. We talk about my mentors as, uh, you know, Danellen and Hayward, but probably my biggest one was my freshman basketball coach, Paul Trevor. Who was, uh, great, uh, great coach. Stanislaus. And, yeah. you know, we're still good friends. And talk about locked in and huddle. If you've ever heard Paul Trevor talk, the most intense individual you'll ever hear and in engaging. And as a freshman in high school, like that, you just like thrive on that. So I always yeah. wanted to model being in a huddle with Trevor, just engaging the crew, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I, I love that. I love that story about the fist. Okay. We have reached crunch time. Con, you're up. <laughs> We're going to have each of you answer these questions. I'm not even going to attempt to say that this is going to be quick, Duffy. This is not going to be quick. No, um, we, we got to have at least a laughing question in here as well because we jumped over that laughing camp. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll type one up for you. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, we're going to talk. So, Con and I coached laughing camps 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, that definitely what got me uh, the love of basketball, I think, for me, definitely came from those camps. You know, from I mean, going up there as a, as a, between my freshman and sophomore year as a, as a camper. Uh, and then being able to go back and coach, it was an amazing experience for me. It's certainly what has molded me as a coach and in, in a lot of ways in person and things too, right? So, Yeah, if we had a list of, and we're, we're, I keep threatening to do this, we will do an episode exclusively on the Lavin Camp because we've had uh, a number of references to it. But if, if I'm going to work on an exhaustive list of all the coaches who were at Lavin Camp. It's astounding how many Division One NBA yeah. Coaches yeah, yeah, were there. Yeah. It's, and I mean, just. I know we're crunch fans. Can I tell Please. Lavin, not Lavin Camp story. So, Lavin Camp, uh, I cut my teeth at Lavin Camp. I think it also developed me, not as a coach, as a player. That's yeah. what. Me too. As a yeah. seventh grader, when yeah. I was at overnight, that's what got me. But, so I made a really good relationship with Cap Lavin. I know mm -hmm. we talk about Steve a lot, but. Steve's dad. Yeah. So, Cap was a teacher over at Drake. And I knew him when, and started at the camps in middle school, and then I would go to workouts every Sunday in the gym with him at Drake. 
so Cap in high school, if he, if he was close to you and he knew you loved basketball, you'd walk down the hallway and he could see you maybe 30 yards down. And every time he would see you, so he would see me, and he would jump in his defensive stance. Yeah. And it was like the old man defensive stance with the arms wide right. up. So he'd jump into the stance. 1950s Bob Cooper. Yeah, that's a great visual, exactly. Yeah. So then, you know, I'd jump back into it. So we would always, that was this, this thing that we always had for years. And so when I was coaching, I went to a coaching clinic over at UCLA. And John Wooden, who was my idol, uh, John Wooden was speaking there. Steve Lavin got him. So I was in the stands just watching. And I see Wooden walking on the court. And coming out of the locker room is Cap Lavin. And from afar, Wooden sees Cap, and Wooden initiates it. Wooden jumps in the old man's stance, and then Cap does the same. And I knew right away, I'm like, Cap must do that to him all the time, yeah. right? Yeah. And then that's yeah. their relationship. I loved it. Cappy Lavin is a absolutely just a gem of a human. By the way, played at USF. Uh, in the heyday, right before, I think he played with Russell and Casey Jones, mm -hmm. yep. right before, he graduated before the team won the NCAA title in 55. Um, just an absolute, I mean, I know we use the, le the word legend a lot in this podcast, but Cappy is absolutely a legend, was a beautiful human being, great teacher, great coach. And when Steve started those camps, Cappy was there. And, uh, you know, I, I love Cappy because amazing coach, amazing energy, but also an English teacher, right? So loved words, was very well read. Um, King of the zingers. The zingers, just, <laughs> right, exactly. If he, so. if he knew you, your eye was somewhere else or you weren't quite paying attention, mm -hmm. you were gonna get yep. one. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Crunch time, Dave. Okay. Sorry, that was my fun, Duffy. Okay, again, again, Duffy on me. <laughs> Con Dunning, toughest player you've ever played against? Toughest player I've ever played against? Um, I think for me, you know, I was kind of a defensive guy in high school. I wasn't much of an offensive player. So Mike Ravelli was, Good answer. Uh, I, I mean, he was so tough to defend. He was strong and quick and he could shoot it from, you know, back then from anywhere. anywhere yeah. Right. And, uh, to me, he was, he was just, he, and he, and then he, and then he let you know about it. Right. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's one of the all time trash talkers, uh, and, uh, he was, for me, probably one of the tougher guys that I would have Love to it. go against. Great answer. Chad? I'd say, I mean, I'd say toughest, even though I figured out his game because we grew up playing together, is uh, Jason Gunnarsson, who's got oh, his yeah. uh, jersey retired at Drake. Awesome player. And I were elementary school all the way through high school, and he just, he understood the game of basketball and uh, always was a great battle in the driveway. Great answer. All right, Chad, I'm going to start with you on this one. Greatest MCAL player? And coach in history, in your view. Oh, I'm not going to venture too far. I know this is a Sam Ryan podcast, but from my childhood, Drake, um, I would say Pete Hayward, best coach. Um, I mean, he might have a little, you know, Bobby Knight just passed. He might have a little Bobby Knight in him, but yep. at that time and era, hell of a basketball coach. Um, and then his son, Mike, was one of the best I ever saw. Great answers. Yeah. Yeah, Duff and I talked about Bobby Knight. Um, uh, Interim. Big, big, big figure. Yeah. Okay, Colin, greatest MCAL player and coach ever. I mean, you know, I'm going to go just from what I've seen and watched. I mean, Brett Tavani, from a coaching perspective, yep. has been... 50 years. And, and, and just been successful everywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. every, every stop he's made, he's won. Yeah. Right? And the kids are... And, and he still has 
you know, what I think the good mark of a coach too is that these kids come back to you, right? When they're old, totally. they have this relationship. And he's got that with so many of his players, right? I know I've just got the opportunity to golf with him the other day and he's, I asked him about Will, you know, Venable, obviously. Yeah. Went, went in the World Series with Texas and he's like, yeah, yeah, I was texting with him before. And, you know, so he has this relationship with his players that goes far beyond basketball. Um, and that's that love thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about they'll play for you, they'll go through a brick wall for you if they know that you care. And I think that's always been his hallmark. We asked Mike Saya in crunch time, who, who, are, who, are you, who scares you? Who are the coaches you don't like to play against? And he said, oh, hands down, Brett Tavani. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just like, his teams were always prepared. Always. He was just, yeah. he's just a great coach. In addition to, you know, 50 years of experience, just a great coach. So great answer. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, from, from coaching and, and playing, um, I mean, Mike Turner is mm-hmm. uh, yeah. probably one of the few back-to-back league MVPs. Yeah. Um, and the guy could just do anything on the court. I mean, he was, you, you, you couldn't defend him, right? And then defensively so strong and big and quick. And he was, uh, to me, he's one of the, one of the players that maybe kind of gets overlooked a little bit when you start talking about. Totally you know, agree. You know, we almost, we, we almost beat Marin Catholic at, at San Marin when I was coaching with Mike Turner and we missed the front end of a one-on-one up too. Turner hits the, hits the game tire, sends it over time we get crushed. Yeah, I still I still picture it. Oh. You're not bitter, and now no more one on one ever. No, that's yeah, true. One on new rules. Yeah, we could have won that game. We could have won that game. Okay, Chad, favorite gym in Marin? Drake. Drake. Okay, great. Good, good thought. <laughs> Con. Does it have to be an MCAL gym? I mean, sorry, sorry. Actually, no, it's or a non MCAL gym. gym. Ar- Archie wins. Archie, that's right. I'm saying, Archie. if you're a grad at Drake and you coach at Drake, you call it Drake, and then the transition is Archie Williams. There's nothing wrong with calling it Drake in the past, but now it's Archie Williams. Agreed. Got it. Okay, Colin, favorite gym? Does uh, not have to be an MCAL gym. I really like Dominican's gym. You know, it's clean. I totally agree. It's, it's a great gym. It's, it, the floor's nice. It's got good, I think, as a shooter, it's, it's, a, it's a nice gym. Um, I, to me, that's probably the nicest gym. In Marin, well, probably the newest gym, I guess, too, right? Mm-hmm. Some, oh, except for Terlinda's. Um, yeah, TL's got a nice new one. Okay, Colin, favorite Marin restaurant? Um, food wise, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the boardroom in Novato. Ooh, that's a new one. It's, it's a tiny little place that got the speakeasy uh, type little bar next door, but the food is fantastic. I've heard. Very small restaurant, but it's fantastic. Uh, Ambiance wise, I mean, you're talking Marin. It's got to be Marin Joe's, right? I mean, there's no, there's no place that encapsulates Marin to me uh, like Marin Joe's from the, from from an atmosphere standpoint. I could, man, that's a fantastic answer, and I could not agree more. My favorite, that's my favorite spot Love for it. a post game dinner and oh. beer. Jonas Honick, that was his Donna, his wife. That after every Branson game, they go to Marin Joe's. Yeah, I mean, it's just like. But do they serve bagels and iced coffee? I don't. I don't believe so. No, not quite like Marin Duffy's. Marin Duffy's well, they do, better. They do serve, uh, you know, the cheese and crackers. Yeah, the lounge. Lounge. Glad, glad to see. Lounge. Glad to see that back after. Yeah, yeah I don't know when that cheese uh, was put out. It right, might the have been cheese four weeks ago. Long, but hey. and they got the piano bar. Yeah. Um, all right, Chad, favorite Marin restaurant. Well, you guys just went over it. I was about to say Marin Joe's, uh, just with the history. Sorry. And uh, my wife's uh, family used to, the Andrews family used to be there all the time. That was like, Al was iconic in that restaurant. But since you said it, uh, always had great times in Celia's restaurant oh, in yeah. Serafell. And then walk over to the bowling alley after, hit that old school bar. It was great. Another, another, another the bowling classic. alley. Bowling, I know. Don't, don't get me started. I know. 
Okay, favorite coaching, aphorism, saying, one-liner? Be quick, but don't hurry. John Wooden. Wooden. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. Uh, my wife had to actually remind me a little bit of this one because I think I say it a lot. Um, you're, there is no on time. You're either late or you're early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can't be on time. So, you know, it's something we talk a lot about. But this year, actually, I'll tell you one that I, that I, that I, I must have heard somewhere because we don't invent anything as coaches, right? you, you got to steal everything. But, uh, you know, we're focusing, I told you a lot on defense this year. Yeah. And so we're talking a lot about fighting and competing at every position for every possession. Right. I like just, it. Just mm-hmm. kind of building that mentality. All right, final one, probably the most important question. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Man, don't don't. No, no, that's not stumped at all. It's no. like you, we just talked Marindro, it's all about tradition. Hot coffee. Okay. When, when was iced coffee even invented? Okay. Keep running the flex, Jeff. Just to stay <laughs> in yesterday. Okay. I, I mean, you know, in the morning time, I'm, I'm definitely hot coffee. If I had to pick one, it'd be hot coffee, but uh, I, I definitely love it. You know, got you some. I definitely love a, a good iced coffee. This is like if you're on the, the island and you can only have one. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be hot coffee. All right, fine, 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 fine. Uh, they said a little. But what if it's a really like what if Duffy, you're not gonna win this. (laughs) Just let it go. Hot coffee too. All right, good. I do drink it all day. So (laughs) yeah. Well, um, guys, thank you so much. This has been a fun discussion. Con, good luck this year with Samarin. We'll be rooting for you. With one exception. With one exception. With one exception, and I hope you lose to Archie and San Domenico. Um, and Chad, uh, you know, excited for your role as principal at Del Mar. Those kids are lucky. And you're also still coaching actively, coaching CYO. You're coaching your daughter. Back where it started. Um, so you're, you do so much for Marin. You've been an educator and coach for years here. So uh, we appreciate you. So thanks a lot, guys. Really fun. It's super Thank fun. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that was, that was a lot of fun. Duff, thoughts? Great interview. Good job, as always, Dave. And like... Every interview we've done, we could have kept talking with or without the microphones for another hour or more, just talking basketball. I know we did not touch on a few topics that ahead of time we thought would be interesting. Uh, in particular, just scratch the surface on the topic of coaching to win with Chad, and I'm sure Khan would have had you know, more to say about that as well. So um, yeah, another set of guests that we'll probably have back at some point to, uh, to dive deeper on, on certain topics. Uh, so. Yeah, good stuff. And Dave, before I turn it over to you, I'll, I'll just give a quick update on Samarin Hoops, if that's okay with you. Great. Yep. All right. Yeah, so uh, they got their football players back a little bit earlier than expected. So on November 24th, the San Marin High School team, which was uh, 12-0 and at the time, uh, they were going after their third consecutive NCS title, um, and they lost to the number two scene. Uh, number two seed, Akalanis. 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 I'm just not going to get that, uh, Dave. You nailed it, Dave. Uh, You're good. Uh, and 24 to 7 in the section title game at Santa Rosa High. So a uh, mixed blessing for San Marin High. The the blessing for Khan and the team is he, he got his football players back and they were able to get a few practices in before their play in the Montgomery tournament. Very competitive tournament. And they went one and two. However, they beat a D1 school, Bakersfield Christian, in the first game of that tournament by one point um, and then had tough games after that. But nice competitive start for them playing up a level from 
from their NCS, uh, where their NCS ranking division would be. So uh, good start for, uh, for Sam Marin and Coach Dunning. And uh, they're going to be really tough all the way through, especially with uh, Nick Covley, as we talked about in interview. Yeah. So, uh, Dave, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I thought really fun to talk to Con and Chad, both, um, you know, old friends of ours, really thoughtful basketball people. Uh, a few things that jumped out to me. Um, I thought it was interesting Khan's comment about, um, particularly when they get into the season, the efficiency of practice time that he's wanting to have, you know, practices like an hour to hour and a half, um, which is amazing. I mean, Duff, when you think about, I don't know, my high school days, I mean, we were go two and a half, sometimes three hour practices. Um, so to kind of pack it in, be really efficient. Um, I think that's great. Uh, and challenging to do that successfully. But uh, I, I think Khan has thought through this. Um, I also liked just talking about his practice plans and using a lot of short-sighted games, cutthroat, um, all stuff that we, we love to do. Um, just yeah. really, Khan's a basketball uh, a basketball junkie, right? Um, right. I, I liked how Chad talked about um, changing the culture at San Marin when he joined 20 years ago and, you know, really a football focused school and trying to instill some of that, that Drake basketball ethos into San Marin and, and the little things like repainting the gym and the team room. Um, and that, th- those kind of little, little examples. Um, I thought, I thought that was great. Changing culture. Yep. yep. Changing culture. And then the last the, thing was just, Oh, go ahead. Oh, it's just going to say, you know, Chad is probably the best I've seen at running a cutthroat before before cutthroat. Uh, he, you know, makes the rules very clear and he, pretty much every time I've seen him do it, he wants, you know, the, the boys or the girls to triple threat every time they catch the ball. And if they don't, you know, the ball's changing over hand. So yeah, he's, uh, he's very good at running the cutthroat. I'm sure Khan is as well. I haven't, I haven't seen him run the cutthroat, but yeah, just a great way to, to teach basketball and reinforce, you know, certain habits, uh, and have the kids learn to do them every time. Yep. Chad is very old school. Um, and that's mm-hmm. why we love him. Um, and then I thought it was interesting that he was self-critical, self-reflective about overcoaching. That's something that I think about a lot. Um, it's all of our nature. You know, we ha- we have we care so much, and w- we want these kids to to learn. So we tell them all this stuff, and sometimes you tell them too much, right? And it's it's overload, and it's not productive. And I think uh, you know, and again, you know, when Chad was the head coach at San Marin. He was in his early to mid twenties. Uh, he was very young uh, and just learning. And so I thought that was interesting that he had that that kind of self reflection about uh, he probably overcoached a little bit in his early days. Yep. Well, you know it's interesting, Dave, uh, watching Mike Fulton coach now versus when he started coaching, uh, and you know at Merritt Academy as an assistant coach. That you know, back then, and even probably for years afterwards, there was a lot of chatter, a lot of you know sort of yelling instruction. Uh, encouragement or uh, disapproval, you know, disapproval yeah. of players at, during the game, very loud on the sideline. And now you watch Mike and I watch him next to you and, and he can be silent for five, six minutes of the, of the game and not, he's just sitting there, he's just watching. And then, you know, in the, in the huddles, then he's, you know, he's giving instruction then, but much different sort of approach. And that's probably comes from realizing that, you know, you don't want to get tuned out by overcoaching or over-communicating as a coach. Now on the floor, I don't think there's such a thing as over-communicating, but from a, from a coaching standpoint, I think there is. I heard uh, Greg Popovich one time 
talk in an interview talking about how he handles coaching in, in games and he, his advice to, it was like at a coaching clinic, I think. And he, his advice was at a timeout, just pick one thing, you know, like as coaches, we have a timeout and there are seven things that we see, you know, we're not, we're not forcing middle, we're turning the ball over. We're not taking good shots, you know, on this out of bounds, but, and the, the kids, the players, even pros, they'll tune you out if it's information overload. So when, when Popovich is meeting with his assistants during a timeout, they all have their ideas and it's basically, okay, what one thing do we want them to take away from this 30 second timeout? Right. Yeah. Right. And it's a, it's a really good message. Now it's really hard it's to hard. prioritize and figure out what's that one thing. But um, I, I try to think about that when I'm coaching, I don't always succeed. But. Yeah. And then, you know, we try and do this before the game keep it to, to four or five main points max, but you know, before yeah. the game, three or four, if you can in timeouts one and then post game, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're just going to do a quick recap and then move on. Tell them what's, tell them what's coming next. I think that's, that's sort of what I've heard um, from coaching experts and the people who study, you know, athletes, sports psychologists as, as probably what's most effective, but of course it's going to be different for every team and every, you know, every individual player, um, honestly. Yep. yep. Well, thank you again to, to Khan and Chad. Uh, really fun to talk to them. Um, support San Marin. San Marin's going to be really good this year. It's not just Nick Cubley. They've, they've got a good team and Khan can coach. So I think San Marin will be very competitive in the MCAL. Uh, and and sure. we've talked to other teams, Duff, right? You know, other, whether it was Owen and Russ or Jake and, and Kevin and everybody's like, yeah, San Marin's good. Um, yeah. So it, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be a fun year. Really fun to talk to those guys. And uh, yep. yeah, I think we're uh, moving on here. Thanks to, our, uh, thanks to our sponsors. Email us at the run TMC podcast at gmail.com. Uh, touch us on Instagram, check out our website. And uh, we just want to thank everyone for getting us over that 5,000 download um, uh, level, which honestly, Dave, we didn't, we didn't dream was possible. Even, even here in Wren County. Pretty amazing. And if you want a t-shirt, Email us. We can sell you a t-shirt. They're very cool t-shirts. So, yep, 5,000 downloads. Awesome. Let's keep it going, Duff. All right. Thank you. And uh, take us away, Luke Estrican and Stroke Nine. saloon and sits down he draws the eyes of all the locals in this small town he looks damn normal to me bandana on his head burks on his feet he looks up and gives me a grin and says hey dude you too must be from marin marin county's a-okay from tamastins and all the way to Organic veggies in the market